welcome back to PH Expanded with Mike McDonald. Uh, this is the post Norwich first victory of the season um, podcast. Just a little 15 minutes for you, just to uh, give you some thoughts going forward for the Burnley game. Um, first of all, just want to uh, talk about the sliding doors moment in that game today. Um, gosh, the whole game was a sliding doors moment, I think, for the team, the coach. The fans, everybody, but um, seeing as we got one goal, so much happened, but just the one goal, it's hard to look past that goal, but I think it was just the um, desire that Pepe showed in the second half to become a little more dangerous inside the box. I think that was the sliding doors moment. Of course, he's the one who, who set up the goal with a double shot, and I think without that, we leave disappointed, even though the performance is better. Uh, we like the team. team looks nice. And it looks like he's got a future. But my goodness, we needed that. So kudos to Pepe in a very Pepe-like performance, completely up and down. Uh, he made the difference in, in that uh, single very important moment. Okay, just wanted to talk about an idea that I have for the Burnley game. Um, I don't know um, if I would do this if I was Arteta because I would be somewhat hypocritical for saying that he overcomplicates. But I've had this formation and this lineup in mind for a while. And I think actually against Burnley, it might be worth uh, going with this different formation to counteract the fact that they have two big aggressive forwards in wood and the highly annoying Barnes up front. Um, so here's a 3-4-2-1. 3-4-2-1 that I think would work well. Now, before I name off who goes where, when I pick my teams, I try very hard to uh, remember the importance of leaning into the players you see as pivotal in this particular game. So not always your best players, that will change from game to game. Now, if you're playing, for example, Manchester City, you're probably not wanting to lean into Aubameyang, for example. You know, maybe defending is the priority in a game like that, but in a game like this, where you should have most of the ball, most of the opportunities. You want to lean into your attacking players. Um, and so the player that always interests me whenever I pick my imaginary lineups before games is Saka. Because he hasn't really, even though he was player of the season last year, sort of nailed down one place in the starting eleven that we all say, yep, that's it. Probably because he's done seven of them. And done rather well at all of them. I think that's more of a compliment than a criticism, absolutely. Uh, but here's the thing. I have this hunch that Bucky Yosaka is a best, better left wing back than all the other positions that he's played. Now, he's played left back, left wing back. He played one game at right back. He's played central midfield in a three. He's played attacking midfield. He's played on the right wing and he's played on the left wing. I think that's seven positions. But if you remember, left wing back at Arsenal, or even left back at Arsenal, is actually what we would consider a traditional left winger. You know, the left winger in a 4-2-3-1, like Saka played today, plays in the pockets in, in between the lines, doesn't play out wide. Um, they play in the second vertical strip. You know, Arteta has his five vertical channels he wants us to get set up in, and Tierney's in lane number one. Um, sounds like Formula One, this, doesn't it? And Saka's in lane number two. So 
if you put Saka as a left wing back, which when I look back at his highlights of his best ever, most effective performances for Arsenal, I think two or three of them have come at left wing back when he's been the guy overlapping, not Tierney. And he gets let loose and he's free. He doesn't have people um, in front of him. I don't think he's quite the same player. Of course, anyone would be would enjoy a greater day if they had no opponents in front of them. They're just running onto a ball and played in front of them. And with his level of accuracy, which is so similar to Tierney's at crossing, I think that that's something that Arsenal to seriously consider and he needs to consider for his future. Um, but anyway, so with that thought that I think that Bucky Osaka is, is a potential at left wing back, I, I put a team down on paper and thought, well, will this work for everybody else? Because I want to see him at left wing back. I want to see him in the final third in that left wing first channel position. Um, well, if you play with a back three against Burnley's two, you've got and got an extra central defender to deal with their two uh, up top. And of course, you've got five when all your defenders are, are back. But, but the necessity is to have um, two man-marking um, Barnes and Wood and then one spare. So um, I think what you would do is you'd have Ramsdale now in goal, of course, uh, after his performance there yesterday. Uh, as I said, Saka as the left wing back, Maitland Niles as the right wing back, and I, th- I think we would all agree when he played left wing back uh, in the cup winning season, he was tremendous, and that wasn't even even his favoured side. And he did rather well yesterday when he played right back. Um, so anyway, so right wing back Maitland Niles, then your back three centre backs would be White uh, as the centre right back. And Tomiyasu is the centre-left back where he spent a lot of last season at Bologna and he plays there for the Japanese national team. So it's not a foreign position to him. So those two would be man-marking with Gabriel in the middle. Now, um, Gabriel, when we've done a back three, is the one who plays in the middle. So in the short term, I think this is what you have to do. I think it would make a little more sense in the long term if you're going to go with this to put White uh, possibly as the man in the middle and Gabriel on the on the left of the three and Tomiyasu on the, on the right. I just think in the short term... That might be too much to organise. Um, so anyway, so we're looking at, again, Maitland-Niles, right wing back. Next to him, uh, centre right back is Ben White. Um, and then Gabriel in the middle of a three with Tommy Yasu at centre left back and Saka at left wing back. Now, you might be wondering where Tierney is. Um, I've been looking for an occasion to rest Kieran Tierney because he's played three ninety minutes, I believe, for Scotland. And... Just did another 90 for Arsenal and he's got a tendency to get himself hurt if he overplays. And I think that this game um, would be fine to just give him a rest and put him on the bench. So so that's the rationale there. The two in the centre of the field, I think, pick themselves, Thomas Partey and Sambi. I think Thomas Partey hopefully will be able to play a majority of the next game. I'm assuming he just wasn't fit enough to play an hour, an hour plus um, yesterday. So you've got Sambi and Thomas in the middle. And then rather than a 3-4-3, it would look more like a 3-4-2-1 because now you've got Odegaard and Smith-Rowe. So Odegaard's on the right and Smith-Rowe's on the left, but they're in that second channel um, and uh, fourth channel, vertical channels. Um, So it's almost like a box in midfield. You've got Sambi and Thomas party, and in front of them Odegaard and and Smith-Rowe playing again in their optimal position. So another way I like to pick my teams is putting players, of course, in their uh, best positions to optimise their 
um, best talents for the game in front of them. And I think that Odegaard and Smith Rowe are better as attacking midfielders than wide wide, and they have the freedom to come inside and interchange there. And then you've got a Bamiang up top. So again, nullifies Burnley's uh, two big men with uh, three at the back there. I think it brings out the best in Saka, puts him in that first vertical lane in the Kiarantini left uh, wing-back role, uh, overlapping to get those balls in front of him. Uh, put Smith-Rowe and Odegaard in their best positions as attacking midfielders in a box in midfield. Um, and then you've got uh, Maitland-Niles coming down channel uh, five on the right. Um, and Aubameyang, of course, after his goal, um, I think that that team uh, is a good idea, I would hope, of what we could do against Burnley. Wouldn't that be wild if we actually did that? I think um, uh, it would be tempting to go with what worked, the 4-2-3-1. I'm just a little nervous about um, the physical battle uh, against Burnley and how they just upset you. Um, so hope you like that. <laughs> I liked it. I wanted to also expand on my comment today when I talked about the club using Mikel Arteta over the summer. Um, that sounds horrible, but... Uh, I didn't do it. <laughs> and I'm not saying they have. I'm not saying that they have. I just suspect that they weren't too pleased with him at the back end of last season. But rather than change coaches, they made the decision that, that they would use him over the summer, give him an opportunity next season. But they saw the summer as, a, as him and his element. I think that it's hard to disagree that from what we hear, his number one best quality is persuading people to sign new contracts and persuading players to join the club. Whether you like the players or not, he's persuaded a lot of people. Uh, there's a long list of over, I'd say, 10 players that some of them we thought wouldn't come or wouldn't stay, but he managed to persuade them with his golden words. And we see him in his interviews, and that doesn't surprise us that he's got a golden tongue. And so I love the six players that he's brought in, and I think that the club have done well. And if it doesn't work out for Mikel Arteta, then you know, it's been beneficial to Arsenal that we kept him on uh, to help us rebuild um, I also think he was a part of persuading the Cronkies to give him the money. But it would be hard to think that that's too far-fetched because we've had two eighth-place finishes and then we just go spend the largest amount of money of any club in Europe. That doesn't make sense, really, does it? So, uh, especially with the pandemic. So I think that his persuasive skills were used to persuade the Cronkies and then bring the players in. And then the club saw that as... a the most important thing moving forward and then in the hope that he could coach the team successfully moving forward but knowing that he may not but being okay with that because they got the players that they needed and I think we would all agree if we do have to change coaches our team as far as uh, it's now age profile it's resale value it's talent it's got a lot going for it and I maintain that we have some of the most exciting young players in the whole of the Premier League and in Europe uh, all on this one team it's just whether they can come together and do something in the Premier League for the next couple of years, I'm not sure. But that doesn't mean that, that this team isn't flooded with young talent, which it is. Um, so I wonder. I wonder if that's what's going on. I also wanted to, to mention Mr Ainsley Maitland-Niles. Um, uh, I'm a big fan. Always been a big fan. And been highly frustrated that El Nenny, Xhaka... Players like that have been given opportunities ahead of him. So as much as some people say he's not a midfielder, maybe he isn't. I think he is. But um, I think that he's not really been given the run that the others have. Not even close. 
It's like the Alex Awobi Reese Nelson deal from a few years ago where Awobi got all the minutes, regardless of performance, and Reese Nelson was kicking his heels again. And Reese Nelson, I think, is a more talented player. Um, I think Ainsley Maitland-Niles um, is one barnstorming game away from convincing a lot of people that their eyes have just been widely opened. Um, I just think you just have to look at what he's got in that toolbox. I think he is uh, arguably the quickest player in the squad, if not up there with the Banyang. And you have to be quick in midfield these days. He's strong, got the perfect physical physique. Uh, he's a good passer of the ball, even though he can be sloppy with his decision-making. That does need improvement, there's no doubt. He's far more progressive than Xhaka and Elneny. He can run with the ball, he can run off the ball, he can arrive late. Um, and uh, I think that uh, given the opportunity to maybe be third or fourth choice midfielder and be in the rotation, I think he would prove that he's perfectly good enough to do that and maybe even better. Now, is he a better right back? He may well be, and I would contest that that's possible, absolutely. I just think he's a really good footballer. And I, I just don't want to see that player leave because I think he's got far too many of that. And this is the key here, the modern tools that you need to play in the English Premier League. You've got to be fit, fast, athletic. And he's all of those things. And whatever the issues are over mentality, um, I think the right coach can clean that up, or with age and maturity perhaps. But I think there's a real player in there. And if we do go to a 4-3-3, uh, him having the freedom to collect the ball in midfield and run with it and bring the ball to Erdegaard and Smith Rowe rather than always having to pass. We don't have a player that runs with the ball and brings it into the final third. That would just open so much up. Having said that, I think if we do go to a 4-3-3, we're more likely to see Smith Rowe or Saka play as the third midfielder, and that's what they would do. So I'd be happy with that too. Well, hey, listen, hey, thanks for reading. That took me a long time to write that today. I just, my head was in a, a real spin after watching that game. Uh, that was emotional. So um, I appreciate you reading the blog. I appreciate you listening to PH Expanded. I think I'm just going to go settle in for some uh, Clive Palmer on the Arsenal Vision uh, instant reaction. If you've never listened to that, that is a cracker. Um, all right. Cheers, guys. Ta da.